Chapter Six of Hopalong Cassidy's Roundup. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere. Hopalong Cassidy's Roundup by Clarence Edward Mulford. Chapter Six: Trials of the Convalescent. The days at the ranch passed in irritating idleness for those who had obstructed the flight of hostile lead, and worse than any of the patients was Hopalong, who fretted and fumed at his helplessness, which retarded his recovery. But at last the day came when he was fit for the saddle again, and he gave notice of his joy in whoops and forthwith announced that he was entitled to a holiday, and Buck had not the heart to refuse him. So he started forth in his quest of peace and pleasure, but instead had found only trouble and had been forced to leave his card at almost every place he had visited. There was that affair in Red Hot Gulch, Colorado, where under pressure he had invested sundry pieces of lead in the persons of several obstetrous citizens, and then had paced the zealous and excitable sheriff to the state line. He next was noticed in Cheyenne, where his deformity was vividly dwelt upon, to the extent of six words by one tarantula Charlie, the aforesaid Charlie not being able to proceed to greater length on account of a heart failure. As Charlie had been a ubiquitous nuisance, those presents availed themselves of the opportunity offered by Hopalong to indulge in a free drink. Laramie was his next stopping place, and shortly after his arrival he was requested to sing and dance by a local terror, who informed all present that he was the only seventeen-button rattlesnake in the cow country. Hopalong, hurt and indignant at being treated like a common tenderfoot, promptly knocked the terror down. After he had irrigated several square feet of parched throats belonging to the audience, he again took up his journey and spent the day at Denver, where he managed to avoid any further trouble. Santa Fe loomed up before him several days later, and he entered it shortly after noon. At this time the old Spanish city was a bundle of high-strung nerves, and certain parts of it were calculated to furnish any and all kinds of excitement except revival meetings and church fairs. Hopalong straddled a lively nerve before he had been in the city an hour. Two local bad men, Slim Traveness and Tex Ewalt, desiring to establish the fact that they were roaring prairie fires, attempted to consume the placid and innocent stranger as he limped across the plaza in search of a game of draw poker at the Black Hills Emporium, with the result that they needed repairs, to the chagrin and disgust of their immediate acquaintances, who endeavored to drown their mortifications and sorrow in rapid but somewhat wild gunplay, and soon remembered that they had pressing engagements elsewhere. Hopalong reloaded his guns and proceeded to the Emporium, where he found a game all prepared for him in every sense of the word. On the third deal he objected to the way in which the dealer manipulated the cards, and when the smoke cleared away he was the only occupant of the room except the dog belonging to the bartender that had intercepted a stray bullet. Hunting up the owner of the hound, he apologized for being the indirect cause of the animal's death, deposited a sum of Mexican dollars in that gentleman's palm, and went on his way to Alameda, which he entered shortly after dark, 
and where an insult, simmering in its uncalled-for venom, met him as he limped across the floor of the local dispensary on his way to the bar. There was no time for verbal argument, and precedent had established the manner of his reply, and his repartee was as quick as light and most effective. Having resented the epithets, he gave his attention to the occupants of the room. Smoke drifted over the table in an agitated cloud, and dribbled lazily upward from the muzzle of his six-shooter, while he looked searchingly at those around him. Strained and eager faces peered at his opponent, who was sliding slowly forward in his chair, and for the length of a minute no sound but the guarded breathing of the onlookers could be heard. This was broken by a nervous cough from the rear of the room, and the faces assumed their ordinary nonchalant expressions, their rugged lines heavily shadowed in the light of the flickering oil-lamps, while the shuffling of cards and the clink of silver became audible. Hopalong Cassidy had objected to insulting remarks about his affliction. Hopalong was very sensitive about his crippled leg, and was always prompt to resent any scorn or curiosity directed at it, especially when emanating from strangers. A young man of twenty-three years, when surrounded by nearly perfect specimens of physical manhood, is apt to be painfully self-conscious of any such defect, and it reacted on his nature at times, even though he was well known for his happy-go-lucky disposition and playfulness. He consoled himself with the knowledge that what he lost in symmetry was more than balanced by the celerity and certainty of his gun-hand, which was right or left or both, as the occasion demanded. Several hours later, as his luck was vacillating, he felt a heavy hand on his shoulder, and was overjoyed at seeing Buck and Red, uh, the latter grinning as only Red could grin, and he withdrew from the game to enjoy his good fortune. While Hopalong had been wandering over the country, the two friends had been hunting for him and had traced him successfully, that being due to the trail he had blazed with his six-shooters. This they had accomplished without harm to themselves, as those of whom they inquired thought that they must want Hopalong bad, and cheerfully gave the information required. They had started out more for the purpose of accompanying him for pleasure, but that had changed to an urgent necessity in the following manner. While on the way from Denver to Santa Fe, they had met Pete Willis of the Three Triangle, a ranch that had joined their own, and they paused to pass the compliments of the season. "'Pretty far from the grub wagon pie,' remarked Buck. "'Oh, I'm only going to Denver,' responded Pie. "'Pretty hot,' suggested Red. "'She sure is. Seen anybody you knows?' Pie asked. "'One or two, Billy of the Star Crescent and Panhandle Lukens,' answered Buck. "'That's so.' Panhandle's going to punch for us next year. I hunt him up. I heard down south of Albuquerque that Thirsty Jones and his brothers are looking for trouble, offered Pie. Yeah, they ain't looking for no trouble. They just goes around blowing off. Trouble? <laughs> Why, they don't know what she is, remarked Red contemptuously. Well, they been dodging the sheriff pretty lively lately, and if that ain't trouble, I don't know what is, said Pie. "'It sure is, and hard to dodge,' acquiesced Buck. "'Well, I has to amble. Is Panhandle in Denver? Yes. 
I calculate as how me and him'll buck the tiger for a whirl. He's sure lucky. Well, so long, said Pye as he moved on. So long, responded the two. Hey, wait a minute, yelled Pye after he had ridden a hundred yards. If you sees hop along, you might tell him that the Joneses are going to hunt him up when they gets to Albuquerque. They sure sore on him. Tain't none of my funeral, only they ain't always a carin' how they goes after a feller. So long. And soon he was a cloud of dust on the horizon. Trouble, snorted Red. Well, between dodging Harris and hunting Hopalong, I reckon they'll sure find her. Then to himself he murmured, Funny how everything comes his way. That's gospel sure enough. But as Pa said, they ain't a whole lot particular as how they deal the cards. We better get a move on and find that ornery little cuss, replied Buck. Okay, only I ain't losing no sleep about Hoppy. His gun's too lively for me to do any worrying, asserted Red. They'll get lynched sometime, sure, declared Buck. Not if they find Hoppy, grimly replied Red. They tore through Santa Fe, only stopping long enough to wet their throats, and after several hours of hard riding entered Alameda, where they found Hopalong in the manner narrated. After some time the three left the room and headed for Albuquerque, twelve miles to the south. At ten o'clock they dismounted before the Nugget and Rope, an unpainted wooden building supposed to be a clever combination of barroom, dance, and gambling hall and hotel. The cleverness lay in the man who could find the hotel part. End of chapter 6